2: Good morning, Los Angeles, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai, 32 years. What a busy week I had in the operating room this week. It was just so much fun. Yesterday, as they say in baseball, you hit for the cycle. When you hit a single, a double, a triple, and a home run. Well, yesterday, I did hip surgery, knee surgery, and shoulder surgery. I was all over the body, and it was fantastic.
3: Dr. Clapper.
2: Mm Mm-mm. And today is my 64th birthday.
3: Hell yeah.
2: That's right. July 24th, Lillian and Abraham Clapper had a boy, which was quite important to them, I guess. Because they previously had a son who passed away at 10 months. So I was, I guess, the penalty shot. And I grew up knowing that. Which was good and bad, I guess. But it gave me a zest for life. Because I know I came very close to actually not being here. But on the other hand, I think I had to kill somebody to be born. Not really. It's a true joy, though. Ten and a half years getting up every Saturday morning after a big day at work. To be with you and to meet all of you, it's a true honor. And to be here with Steve Paulette, these ten and a half years has just been awesome. We have a really special show coming up for you because it's all about children. Teaching them, motivating them, talking to them. My guest at A15 is Paul Karafotis, who's an actor in Hollywood for 40 years. But the reason he's coming on is he now writes children's books. He writes children's songs and sings them. And it's awesome. And it made me think all week, what a concept. Is there a right way, a wrong way? How do you communicate to kids? Do you remember your teacher's? Did they motivate you? Did they scare you? Did they crush you? I've had it all. My calculus teacher in high school desperately wanted to go to Columbia for college, and he was rejected. When he learned that I was accepted to Columbia and I was going to go there for college, that was it. This guy hated my guts. What do you want from me? You didn't get in. It was terrible. It was a terrible teacher and a terrible interaction. And then I had teachers who wanted nothing but the best for me to succeed. My art history professor at Columbia, it's all he wanted me to do was succeed and marry the world of science and art, which I ultimately do with you each and every Saturday. So I thought all week, teaching children, communicating with children in my lifetime, in the world of art, The world of sports, and certainly in the world of surgery, what we learn as orthopedic surgeons is kids, and I've taken care of many kids over the years, they are not to be treated as little adults. You better not do that. They're different. Is that the same thought process in the world of sports? Kids are not little adults? In the world of art, when you talk to kids, whether you're Walt Disney or, as we're going to talk about today, Jim Henson, who created the Muppets and for 10 years did puppets for adults, he was on at 11 o'clock at night doing puppets for adults, Washington, D.C. He's not making shows with puppets for kids, but 10 years later, 1969, Joan Gans Cooney invents Sesame Street. And calls him and says, can you bring your puppets to teach kids? What a nurturing, beautiful thing Jim Henson did by creating the character Big Bird. Kermit the Frog was already out there for adults. But he created Big Bird to make a giant kid simple, asking silly questions like a kid would in his mind as a way of teaching and getting to kids. Well, what about in the world of sports? In 1976, in the Montreal Olympics, how apropos for today's, you know, topics, because the Olympics are now going on. We saw, I saw, Nadia Comaneci in gymnastics in women. These are little girls. You got to get to them before they become big girls because then they can't be as flexible. So they're little girls you're talking about in women's gymnastics. Not Jim Henson, But Bella Caroli, he didn't talk to kids the way Jim Henson does, through puppets and sweet and nice. He's tough. But maybe that's the right way, where you have these incredible expectations. Bella Caroli was not a gymnast. His wife, Marta, was. Bella Caroli was demanding. But because he didn't know gymnastics and went to little coal mining towns to find little girls who could do cartwheels who were fearless and meets this little six-year-old, Nadia Cominici. Wait till you hear this interview in Romanian, which I'll translate afterwards. But you have to hear it as he's talking to this little six-year-old going, are you afraid of any of this apparatus? Which, by the way, Bella Caroli has no idea what it is because he's not a gymnastic person until later. Are you afraid of any of this apparatus? And the little girl goes, I'm not afraid of any apparatus. And then he asks her in Romanian, a six-year-old, are you afraid of any of the competitors? And this little girl looks at him and goes, I'm not afraid of any competitors. He goes, okay, this is the girl. This is the girl I can tell. Instead of jumping from this bar to this bar like everybody else, could you jump to this other bar? And she does it. And you'll hear her speaking with these sound bites that are amazing as an adult later on about what it was like to be fearless with this guy and get a perfect 10. Never before happened in the Olympics. The scoreboard couldn't even print out a perfect 10. They had it at a 1.0 because the scoreboard doesn't go to 10. Is that the way you should treat kids? With all their expectations. You could crush them sometimes if you do that. But on the other hand, you also get the best out of it. It's a fascinating subject of how to teach and communicate to children. And that is today's topic. Clapper vision. we got to talk about Cam Akers from the Rams. Clapper. Our running back, oy vey, tore his Achilles tendon. And I was in surgery yesterday with my favorite foot and ankle surgeon, Tim Charlton. And I said to him, can you teach me a little bit? You teach me so much about foot and ankle. He's a true scientist, researcher, Tim Charlton. Why does the Achilles tendon rupture? And we'll get into the two Christmas trees, Clapper Vision, in terms of describing it. But he taught me something special about why the Achilles tendon ruptures and why it's going to rupture in a lot of football players and in a lot of basketball players, from Kobe Bryant to Kevin Durant to Clay Thompson. Why do they rupture they're Achilles tendon, Have you, as if you can ask that question. But leave it to Tim Chow. He gave me a great answer, and I'll let you know what that is. And food, oh, this week. It's my birthday. I get to do whatever I want. What would Dr. Clapper want for his birthday? Well, you know, it begins with the letter P, and it ends with the letter A. That's right, pizza. Yes. Oh yes. That's wow. right. You cut through my skin, you're not going to find arteries and veins and tendons you're going to find cheese, tomato sauce, and dough. Because through and through, I'm just a walking pizza. A walking slice. Well, there is a pizza that comes out of Detroit that will blow your mind.
1: Damn right.
2: Thanks to my friend Nancy, I discovered this concept of Detroit pizza. And then I read about it. In the 1940s, a guy who worked on the assembly line in Detroit, Sicilian, which is where pizza comes from, Naples, forget about it, Sicilian, he was looking for the trays to make Sicilian pizza like he grew up with in the 1940s. Well, he couldn't find any of those trays in Detroit, but this is the home of General Motors and Ford. This is where cars are made. Motown, remember? Detroit. Detroit. What could you find as a pan to cook your pizza in if you're an Italian immigrant in 1940 Detroit? You find an oil pan and these pans that they made for the assembly line to hold the nuts and the bolts while they're making a car. He said, hey, I could use that. So he used smaller pans. Well, when you make a Sicilian thick crust pizza in a small, I can't even speak, my mouth is watering. When you make it into a smaller pan, guess what happens? More of the slices get to touch and burn on the corners of that pan. And if you make that buttery dough that burns well and you bake the pepperoni into the dough and put the cheese and you put the the sauce on afterwards, you create a pizza that's the hottest, fastest-growing pizza that's made Well, there's a Detroit-style pizza in L.A. that I had brought to my office, thanks to the great Linda Yui, on Thursday. I don't know how I saw Patience Thursday afternoon. I needed to take a nap. But the best pepperoni slice, Detroit-style pizza that I've ever had, I had on Thursday. And Good. I'm going to tell you where I'll it is it. in L.A. so you can have it as well. And what kind of cake do you think I had for my birthday on Thursday, even my, even though my birthday's today? That's right. My office arranged for a giant cake from Bakersfield, California. It's called Sweet Surrender. Let me tell you. You can go online and get sent one for yourself. It's a fortune. Cost costs a fortune. But it's the greatest slice. Giadas De Laurentiis. She knows food better than I'll ever learn. This is her favorite slice of chocolate cake. Well, it's Dr. Clapper's favorite slice of chocolate cake as well. From Sweet Surrender in Bakersfield. But I'm going to tell you where that pizza place is. The greatest pepperoni pizza I've ever had. I had it on Thursday, and it's here in L.A. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. All right, I already talked the whole segment. But let's hear a little bit of sound bites of Jim Henson and how he started puppets with grown-ups. It was a puppet show for grown-ups. It was on at
4: 11.25 at night. There wasn't a kid watching it in those days. Sometimes it was completely zany sketch comedies. Other times it was sort of sophomoric uh, record pantomimes. And it attracted
2: this huge following in Washington, D.C., of all places, where everybody watched the news. And the best part about Jim Henson and the puppets is... He's not a ventriloquist. He don't care that you see his mouth moving with the frog sitting next to him. And here's why.
5: A lot of people worry if they see the performer in the same shot with, uh, with a puppet character. Uh, it's been my experience that the character himself is really what's interesting. That uh, if I'm sitting here working Kermit, which I've done on the Carson Show and things like that, that people don't really pay attention to me. You know, I'm not a ventriloquist, and I don't uh, try to hide the fact that uh, my lips move. But um, uh, the truth of the matter is <laughs> that the frog is a great deal more interesting to look at. <laughs> and uh, who notices what the bearded man is doing?
2: But our lives changed because today's topic is speaking and teaching children when this occurred. Can you tell me how to get, how to get to Sesame
6: Street? How to get to Sesame Street? How to get to Sesame Street?
4: From the very beginning of Sesame Street, Jim was fascinated with the concept. He latched on immediately to the idea that was being developed by Joan Ganz Cooney. She was convinced that what was fun and and entertaining in television could also be used to teach. She'd seen Jim's commercials and loved them, and jumped at my suggestion that we bring him and his Muppets on board.
5: What they wanted to do was to take and use some of the techniques that had been created for commercials and for television and apply them to this preschool, to the preschool kid.
2: Fascinating. To hear his philosophy of how to talk to kids, how to teach kids...
5: We had a number of meetings uh, and seminars about uh, what we would be doing with this television show. And and one of the thoughts would be to create a character that the child could live through.
6: Hey, Crystal, let's teach everybody the difference between big and little.
2: So to talk to kids, to make a giant kid, he makes an 8-foot-2-inch bird that says silly things. This is his, listen to his mindset of what was in his head of how to communicate to children.
4: Jim had always thought of doing a puppet, a big bird puppet like this. We had talked about it before Sesame Street, just as an abstract concept. And here was the perfect opportunity. So Jim did a sketch of how the bird would look and how the puppeteer inside would be working with no vision at all. And the way that worked is to put on this chest of the puppeteer inside the bird, a little television monitor, just, you know, yay big, so that the puppeteer has his hand in the head of the bird, he's watching himself on television, and he is talking into the wireless microphone. And it was Jim's design, top to bottom. Big Bird, in theory, is himself the child, you know, and
5: we wanted to make this great big silly awkward creature that would make the same kind of dumb mistakes that kids make.
2: Well, he has his philosophy about teaching kids. It's a lot like being a parent.
5: It's not unlike The way a parent, no matter what you do as a parent, anytime you're sort of talking with your kids, you're really teaching them, you know? All the time you're talking, you're conveying your feelings about life, you know? And that's that's really that kind of thing that we're trying to do. And listen, we thought we would uh, talk to you a little bit about the concept of being next to, you see? Now then, right there, you see, Charlotte is next to Fanny, right?
2: Maurice Sundack, one of the writers, the great writers, Emmy Emmy Award winning writers for Sesame Street, talking about the philosophy and who Jim Henson was as a master at communicating with kids.
5: There was something so to the heart, something so simple you were astonished that it could be so simple and funny. The language could be so clear and disciplined. And he was a very disciplined artist. So what? moved and what was said, was thought about. If it was funny, it was by no accident. Is this microphone on? <laughs> oh, <clears throat> oh! Uh, uh, hi on this is uh, Kermit E. Frog of Sesame Street News, and today I am standing at the base of the <laughs> tower where the Princess Rapunzel is being held prisoner by the Wicked Witch. Get me out of
2: here! <laughs> she happens to be a New Yorker. Get me out of here. Sesame Street, Jim Henson, communicating with kids in a beautiful, sweet way through Big Bird and the Muppets. But there's another way to do it, a tough way to do it, a Romanian way to do it. In the world of sports, Nadia Comaneci's coach, Bella and Marta Caroli. Wait till you hear this story. This is another way to talk to kids, to communicate with kids. It's being tough and expecting great things from them. We'll get into it coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN.
7: Holy emoji, clap man. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy slip disk. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Camp Along with Doc's Clapper vision.
1: Breathe deeply.
7: And advice to callers.
1: On your toes, Robin.
7: So like, follow, and enjoy... A wise decision. ...the Weekend Wear Facebook page.
5: Frankly, I can
0: think of nothing more stimulating.
3: Going on, it's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper... And the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. Ah, uh, I love it. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Un giorno al mare è meglio che un giorno a lavorare. Ah, I love it. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles ladies. Oh,
2: Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Talk about teaching kids. Michael Jackson, his talent, tough, tough upbringing, tough childhood. But maybe you don't get a Michael Jackson unless you have a dad and mom that pushed him. When I brought home a 95 and a test, my mother said, what happened to the other five points? said, Mom, the other kid's got 70s and 80s. I got a 95. That's fine, Robbie. What happened to the other five points? Are you kidding me? But that could crush a kid. Or it could push him. And if you don't want to disappoint your mom and you're a kid, great things can happen. We used to drive around. I lived in the poor neighborhood, far Rockaway. We'd drive into Cedarhurst and Lawrence, Woodmere. I'd be sitting in the back seat of the car, and I hear my mother giving my father a hard time. She'd say, "Robbie, you believe some people get to live like this?" And I'm, you know, eight years old. What the hell do I know? I know we live in a house, but she would always say, "Come on, why not us? Why not you?" And that's what you should say to yourself: Why should it be for other people? Go for it. And that fateful day when my dad watched the Olympics from 1968 and I saw the crew team live near Jamaica Bay, I had a rowboat. And he said, you can't, you can't row in the Olympics someday, Robbie. Because I said to him, I want to do that. I want to be in the Olympics. I want to row a boat just like I got a rowboat. And he said, you can't. Only people who go to Ivy League schools learn how to row. And nobody from this neighborhood rows goes to Ivy League schools. And at that moment, I said, you know what? Just like what Jay-Z said about his uncle, maybe you can't do that, but I'm going to do that. And I did. It's tough, but it also sharpens that steel, forges the steel. It turns red hot. You want to hear a red hot take? And it's in Romanian, and I'm going to translate you're going to hear in this sound by Bella Caroli, who's not a gymnast. Somehow now he's the gymnastics coach for this country, Romania. And he's got a six-year-old little girl who's fearless. And in Romania, and I don't want to interrupt it, he asks her, are you afraid of any apparatus? No, I'm not afraid of any. Are you afraid of any competitor? No, I'm not afraid. Then go for it. Oh, my God, probably you'd be arrested if you talk like that now. But you don't get to be a Nadia Komenich unless you got this guy as your coach. How sweet.
0: At the time they discovered Nadia Komenich, the Corollis were still relatively unknown. Marta was a former gymnast, but Bella had been a boxer and hammer thrower with no experience in gymnastics. As coaches, they taught themselves and trusted their gut instinct. And so their system was completely original and entirely unproven. Today, America's best gymnasts travel from the country's corners to train at the Karoli Ranch. But it was a very different story when they first started out in Romania, where, as Bella tells it, they would visit grade schools in coal mining towns hoping to unearth raw talent. And it's possible that everything they have today is because of a little girl they met on a playground nearly half a century ago.
2: What is he looking for when he goes to those coal mining towns, going to the playgrounds, looking for raw talent?
6: Bella came and he said, who can do handstands, who can do gymnastics? So a bunch of us started to do that. And uh, I think that was the first time I uh, got to meet Bella.
5: Who likes gymnastics? They're yeah, look at that. What is that? Who can do a cartoon? Oh, yeah, we can do it. Pa. Okay, honey, you, 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 and you. Tell to mommy to bring you to the gym.
1: You could tell she's extremely ambitious. If you say do it 10 times, maybe she wanted to do 15 times because she always wanted to be on the top.
2: You may call him crazy, but he's crazy like a fox. Listen to what he did. This is Nadia Comaneci as an adult telling you about the tricks that this guy did. Clever, like a fox. Maybe he was not a gymnastics athlete himself, but that didn't matter. He could be creative in all the things he did to bring out the best in these kids.
6: Bella taught us how to ski. He taught us how to swim. He taught us a lot of stuff. We love skiing because we we love to fly but what he didn't tell us was that we had to climb an hour to go up to the mountain and we went down skiing like about 45 seconds so that was a clever way for us to have fun but in the same time to do a lot of conditioning that we didn't even realize
2: here you're going to hear them talking about each other in romanian again how thorough and intense they are
0: while bella enforced vigorous conditioning marta possessed an exacting eye for detail
7: Desigur, soțul meu este un antrenor foarte bun, dar totdeauna există loc și de mai bine și în continuu ne perfecționăm.
6: Și acum dumneavoastră, ce părere aveți despre antrenarea Marta Tanei? Eu aș mai adăuga că ea posede această capacitate enormă de a fi perseverentă și exigentă cu ea însăși și cu noi ceilalți,
2: this mother father figure for these young girls, intense, complemented each other beautifully. And it isn't just Nadia Comaneci. This guy is credited with Mary Lou Heton, Kerry Strug. He's the greatest women's gymnastic coach of all time. The Carolis didn't have access to the most proven gymnasts, so they
0: focused on developing young ones who were fearless and not limited by any knowledge of what had never been done before.
6: Bella was always creative and, you know, I I did something that we always do on uneven bars. And Bella said, wouldn't it be great if instead of catching the other bar, you can catch the same bar? And I was like, um, I don't know if that's possible. Yeah, it's possible. Everything is possible.
2: (laughs) Everything's possible when you don't know that it's not possible. Awesome. Now we get to Montreal, 1976, and this little girl does something that nobody else ever did before.
0: Montreal, 1976, 40 years ago. For decades, the Soviet Union was the dominant power in women's gymnastics. 14-year-old Nadia Comaneci led a Romanian team that had never won a medal at the Olympics.
1: I wanted more visibility. I tried to scream to the world, hey, world, wake up. She is the best gymnast in the European continent. Wake up, pay attention. Nobody paid attention.
2: Nobody, absolutely nobody. You can feel the fearlessness, the confidence that Nadia Cominici had in her abilities and everything she was taught by this man. The
0: Corollis prepared as if the competition began as soon as the team walked onto the floor there was no detail too small to consider.
1: Béla was very specific how Nadia's hair was cut with the little bangs. The ponytail had to be very sharp.
6: Marta was pulling my hair. She wanted to be sure that uh, everything is smooth, but (laughs) I was only thinking like my beam and (laughs) I didn't care too much about my hair.
2: She didn't care. Nadia
5: Comanici on the uneven bars.
6: I didn't know how good I was compared to the other gymnasts because there was not too much information about how the other countries were doing. Everybody was preparing in secrecy, and then we realized that actually we are pretty good.
4: Chris, this could be the highlight of the compulsory event. Beautiful rhythm, right to a handstand.
6: I was happy with my routine. Oh, look at that amplitude. And everything went great. Ooh, she is really moving well.
2: And then the scoreboard reads 1.0, because it could not print out 10.0.
4: Another handstand. Look at that. Right to the
6: handstand. Gorgeous, beautiful, and the crowd loved it. And then I heard a lot of noise in the arena, and I didn't know why people are making so much noise. And one of my teammates was showing me the scoreboard turning around with 1.00, and I was like, what? It's, it's nobody knew what it was.
2: It was a perfect score, Nadia. And it is!
1: A, a perfect 10! The, the first time I have ever seen that in Olympic competition. A perfect
3: 10! Oh, now they begin to stand here before the This is the first day of competition.
0: A, There had never been a perfect 10 in Olympic gymnastics. And evidently, nobody expected one.
6: Not every judge gave me a 10, though. There were three 10s and a 9-9, so somebody gave me a (laughs) 9-9. I don't know who that was.
2: She she didn't just get one perfect 10. She got seven.
0: It was the first of seven perfect 10s Komenich would register in Montreal, where she claimed five medals, including all-around gold.
1: She had nerves of steel. Under biggest pressure, she was able to perform a little better than in the training. And that's the type of gymnast what you're looking for.
2: That's what you're looking for as a teacher, as a coach. To inspire a kid, to open their brain. No matter what you're trying to teach, that's what you're looking for. And there's different ways to do it. You can be the nurturing one like Jim Henson, but you can also nurture through intensity like Bella and Marta Caroli. How apropos for the Olympics going on right now. Coming up next, I'll talk about medicine. My experience in pediatrics. Oh, you're going to love this story. When I got peed in the eye with a, by a baby boy. I'll explain that. I'll take your calls. The clinic will be open. The Call number's 877 710 ESPN. It's a birthday show here on the Weekend Warriors Show on 710 ESPN. Sit down,
3: take a seat, so all you gotta do
7: Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly here, clappers, crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers, aches and pain issues.
5: Right, I get it.
7: Search "Weekend War in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page.
2: This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m.
3: What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. All right. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm Big Clapper. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers.
7: And they called it love.
3: <laughs>
2: Puppy love!
7: Oh, I guess That's what nurturing,
2: know. teaching kids. This is Donny Osmond. This is a teenager. Really Maybe he's not even a teenager yet. And why I love her so. <laughs> and the great Steve Paulette finding Donny Osmond and puppy love. Wow. I want to give a shout out to the great Kurt Sandoval, Rob Fukazaki, and their producer, Dejo Suck. Because last Saturday, after the basketball game, I did a segment with Kurt Sandoval doing Clapper Vision on TV. It was great. Talking about Kawhi Leonard and Giannis. God bless those guys. Clapper vision's great cuz I get to paint pictures with words. Your ankles like a bicycle. The ligaments like a kickstand. Your spine is like a stack of Oreo cookies. Clapper vision. Clapper vision. It's just so much fun to do. This week so many young cases I've had to do. People in their 40s. They need a new hip. They need a new hip. Not because they ran too much, although that's related as an exercise. But they they lose the cartilage in their hip. You, the weekend warrior and the warriors. You lose the cartilage in your hip like the tires wear out on your car. The rubber gets thin. It gets bald, the tires. And if the alignment ain't right, you wear out those tires faster. Well, the same principle is in our body. If you're born where the ball and the socket joint don't match perfectly, you're going to wear out the cartilage faster. And usually it's because the ball is too big for the socket. We call it dysplasia. And what's really fascinating about a human being as you develop is the pressure of the round ball, the sphere. It looks like a billiard ball in pool, the femoral head. In development, while the pelvis bone is very soft and it's cartilage and it hasn't calcified yet, while you're in the mother's womb, she's pregnant with the baby, you need that ball, that spherical shape, to press on the flat cartilage of the ileum, the ischium, and the pubic bone, these three bones that form your pelvis, they coalesce exactly where the socket is. And if you don't have a perfectly beautiful sphere pushing at the right angle in development, you end up with a shallow socket. That's why a golf ball so easily can fall off a golf tee Because it's not a golf ball inside a coffee cup deep in the socket. Your shoulder, for example, is a golf ball on a tee. It's a ball and socket joint, but it's different from the hip joint, which is a golf ball inside a coffee cup. But if that hip joint of yours is a golf ball, but the socket is flat like the coffee dish, the monkey dish that the coffee cup is sitting on, the plate. It's too shallow. Guess what happens? You either completely dislocate the ball from the socket, or you develop a big ball too big for the socket itself, and you wear out the cartilage prematurely. You get dysplasia. So the today's show is all about kids and communicating with kids, and it makes me think about my life in medicine, in orthopedic surgery, in pediatrics. So during your rotation to become an orthopedic surgeon, you rotate through spine and hand and all the different body parts and areas that you can specialize in as an orthopedic surgeon. I actually love being a general orthopedic surgeon. I will see you if you're complaining that your neck hurts or you're complaining that your toe hurts. I can do it all. I do tons and tons of surgeries on hips and knees and shoulders, but I enjoy young patients who are not skeletally mature yet, and I also enjoy seeing 90-year-olds. For me, it's just fascinating to see how the body changes, but in my training, I took pediatric orthopedics at New York Hospital, which was a part of the Hospital for Special Surgeries rotation. Why? Why? Because they're not delivering babies at special surgery where we just did orthopedics. They're delivering the babies at the main hospital, which was New York Hospital. And just like when you're a rookie for the Dodgers or for the Lakers, you know what they make the rookies do? They make the rookie players. They don't care how, even if you're LeBron James and you're a rookie, you're going to have to get the rookie treatment, which is you have to schlep the luggage, the bags, the bags, into the hotel room, uh, you're a rookie. You're going to need to get donuts at night for the other players. You're a rookie. You're going to need to get coffee for everybody else. You're, you you got to do whatever the senior player, you do it for a year, and then you're not a rookie anymore. Pretty much everything I've ever been a, a, associated with there's rookie treatment. You're, it's the beginning. So I'm on pediatric orthopedic surgery, and I'm at New York Hospital. Okay, what do I know? I don't even know what this rookie treatment is all about. So I'm brand new on the service. I'm a first year orthopedic resident and they take me over with my chief resident and another resident, the two of us, all three of us together, because we have to go to the newborn nursery as part of the rotation. Why? Because we have to examine the babies that were born last night or yesterday to make sure that they don't have a hip joint that's dislocated. You can tell early on. And if you can make that diagnosis that the child is born where the ball is dislocated from the socket, once the child is born, you can do something about it, which is put the kid in a special kind of brace so that the ball can help shape the socket and not keep the ball from touching the socket so that you don't end up needing a hip replacement by Dr. Clapper you know, when you're 38 and 42 and 50 years old. If you get to it early enough and put the ball back into the socket, you can actually prevent trouble later. So it's very important to go examine. It's a very simple test. A lot of pediatricians think they know how to do it, but they really don't. It's a very simple test. You have the baby on their back, tiny little baby just born, And you put your thumb on the inside of the baby's thigh, baby is on its back facing you, and your long finger and ring finger are feeling the trochanter, the side of the baby's hip. And you literally feel the range of motion to feel if the hip is popping in and out of place or not. And that's, you got to learn how to do that as a pediatric orthopedic surgeon to make the diagnosis that, "Uh uh-oh, this kid's got a dislocating hip. Okay, I read about it, I learned about it, and now I schlep over with my white coat with my other residents and we go to the newborn nursery. But this is where the rookie treatment starts. Because you know anatomy, the difference between a girl and a boy, particularly when you're dealing with their pelvis and their hip and they're on their back. You really need to feel it. It's a subtle feeling of that pop. So you have to take the diaper down. So you undo the diaper in front with the little scotch tape or whatever and you literally are looking at the anatomy of the little girl as you feel the range of motion of feeling for that pop. Okay, no big deal. So the first one, rookie treatment, clapper, start over here because it's a little girl. So I take the diaper down. What do I know? And I, and the head nurse, this big, big woman, loved her. Just, she was like larger than life been a, a nurse at New York hospital for probably 40 years she's standing at the doorway with her hands crossed and she's one tough lady clapper go over there go to that so go to that one first and then you're going to clockwise go around the room you'll examine all the babies okay good and she's got her hands folded and she's got this grin on her face and I'm going I've never seen this tough nasty scary lady happy she's got her arms crossed she got a grin on her face so I go over to the first one, little girl, take the diaper down, put my hands around the hip, and I feel, feels pretty good. Okay, let's switch. Now go to the next one. Well, what is the next one? It's a little boy who has a penis, okay? The little girl obviously did not. Well, when you're f- newly born, if anybody touches anything near your pelvis, what do you think's going to happen? So I don't know, I take the diaper down, I take my hands, I go and grab the little boys. But this nurse and all the other people in the room knew what was about to happen, except me, because it's rookie treatment. I take my hands, I take the diaper down, I grab the little boy's thighs, and I go to feel if the hip is out, and what does the little boy do? Bingo, pees right in my face, right in my eye. And they start laughing because it happens every single time. The trick is, if you're examining a little boy, you can take the diaper down to kinda get position of you. but you better put the diaper up in front of the penis because if you don't, you squeeze them, bada boom, you get (laughs) peed right in the eye, which is what it, so they're all laughing hysterically. Well, don't you know that when I became a chief resident and now I had the first year resident? Do You think I told that guy? take the diaper down, put the diaper back up because he's going to pee in your eye? No! After that second baby, you hear classically, ah! As the little guy pees right in that doctor's eye. Fantastic. There's my pediatric communicating with children story. All right, coming up next, I'm going to take you into the operating room. We'll take some calls. The clinic will be open. The number is 877-710-ESPN. And i got to tell you where. Oh, my mouth is watering or already. The best Detroit-style pizza is in L.A., which is what I had for my birthday, which is today, actually, on Thursday in my office. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show, the birthday edition, here on 710 ESPN.
5: And why I love her so
7: Green tea. <laughs> Prunes. Uh, <yeah>. Shot whiskey. <laughs> Not around here. What's the best medicine?
2: I cannot wait. We call it Clafter. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you my trouble. I got the
3: wrong doctor. You know my doctor, Doctor Clapper.
1: And I saw him last week. I told him, Doc, every day I wake up, I look in the mirror, I want to throw up. What's wrong with me? He said, I don't know, but your eyesight is perfect.
7: <laughs> clafter. <laughs>
5: Hey, it's John Ireland. You know there is no better way to start your Saturday than with the man who replaced Michael Thompson's hip, Dr. Clapper, in the
3: Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Don't they ask the Lord? Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Yo, tango, un lapis, amarillo. Thank you. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers.
2: Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. The great Frankie Lyman, a teenager. Sad ending to his life. But the energy. Something else in a kid. Special. We're going to learn more about it at 8.15 with my guest, Paul Karafotis, who's a actor, singer, songwriter, who now writes children's books. How best to communicate to kids. It's awesome, and we all have to do it. All right, let's open up the lines. The lines are all lit up. I can take you into surgery. We can do cam acres. Definitely have to tell you about pizza, but I don't want to ignore the weekend warrior. So let's go to... Who we go to? Let's go... Tim in Carlsbad. You're the first one up. You're with Dr. Clapper. How can I help?
1: Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Glad to meet you.
2: Glad to I've meet been you, too.
1: I've to you for, like, 15 maybe, I don't know how long you've been on the air, but I used to love listening to your stories about you and your mom, and I lost my mom about seven years ago, and uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy your radio show. I live in Carlsbad, but when I used to go visit my mom, I would turn on ESPN in the morning, and we would listen to Dr. Clapper all the time, The Weekend Warrior, and I just love your show. I listen to it every weekend. Oh. And you have been so helpful in my life. I I was Thank I was bone you. on bone. I'm bow legged, and I'll give you a quick synopsis. I've done all your stuff in the pool. and Good. It helped me out immensely, and I got on the stationary bike and got strong for this bilateral knee replacement surgery. And and I'm a month out, and I'm walking around without a cane or a walker, and I can't wait to get back in the pool once these these scars heal up, so I can. Oh. Uh, so I'm, I just wanted to say, Dr. Clapper, you are a <laughs> angel. And thank you. I just love your show and just enjoy you immensely. And I wanted you. to just ask you, what other wonderful exercises could I do besides getting on the stationary bike and following the PT to get myself? Oh, my world is expanding again, and I can't tell you how happy I am.
2: God bless you. I, uh... It's a journey, you know. all
1: your food stories, all the donuts and everything. (laughs) I just love your show, man. (laughs) Thank you. What did you
2: do for a living?
1: I was an insurance guy. I was a a litigation claims examiner.
2: And where did you grow up?
1: And a risk manager. Where did you grow up? The San Fernando Valley. I'm a valley boy. What high school? Taft High School. And what did your father do for a living? My dad was in the movie industry. Really? He, he from, yep, from, from way back, uh, Andy's Gang, to, to Ozzy and Harriet, to Combat, to Garrison's Gorillas, to wow. Love Boat, to Dynasty, to Movies of the Week, you name it.
2: Did he ever take you to work with him?
1: All the time. I loved the studio. It was a playground for okay. a kid.
2: Who did you meet? When you were a kid, that just blew your mind.
1: Vic Morrow. Wow. Um, the Waltons, all the Walton family—from Grandpa to Grandma to John Boy—what <laughs> a what a wonderful crew that was. That was a family. Don't it, you as see long as they ran?
2: Don't you see yourself right in my mind? I'm, i Today's my birthday. I turned sixty-four. For my whole life, I've always associated Happy myself birthday. with John. Thank you. With John Boy Walton. Guess what? I now today am Grandpa Walton. (laughs) That show a wise man. Yeah. That show is the whole gamut of how you have a life. That's amazing.
1: Yes indeed, man. So here's the answer to your question.
2: My thank you. And thank you, thank you, thank you for saying all those nice things. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, half an hour, you're gonna walk in the pool. The buoyancy, the the weightlessness, the resistance on the muscles, Uh the fact that the water Uh actually touches your skin, that is proprioception. Uh So when those skin that skin is healed up, maybe another week or two, then you can get in the pool Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, half an hour. You should be riding a stationary bike. Uh, So that'll fill up your week. There are other things that you can do. Simple yoga, simple Pilates, Tai Chi exercises I like. But you know what? The beautiful Uh thing of doing the surgery at your young age is so that you can go play doubles tennis. Don't play singles. You can go on a hike. (laughs) You can ski. Don't ski moguls, but ski groomed trails. I got a lot of patients who surf, because I love to surf, that I've done their implants in their knees. You get to get your life back again, and that's the whole reason. But remember this. It takes nine months to have a baby. Why does it take so long? Because nobody asked me. God did not ask me how many months it should take to make a baby. And therefore, the reality is your return to normalcy takes a year. Yeah, I got, uh, if you go onto my website, you'll see a lovely patient of mine riding her stationary, not a station, riding a bike in her neighborhood the day after I did her knee surgery and implant. Okay? She'll be also the first one to tell you, it still takes a whole year to bring back to life the muscles that deteriorated yeah. from that bow-leggedness yeah. for 10, 15 years beforehand. So be patient, but as when I sculpt in marble, the Italians have a great word for life and for your recovery from your knee surgery. Piano, piano, slowly, slowly, every day go a little bit further than the day before, and you will get to the promised yeah. land. I'm so proud of you, the, the kind words really mean a lot to me. For me to get up Saturday mornings after spending a whole week seeing 100 patients a week and doing 10 to 15 surgeries a week, I cannot wait to get up Saturday mornings to meet people like you, even though I'll never meet you in person. But to meet you You through the radio waves is a beautiful thing.
1: You never know. We might bump into each other. I hope so. one other thing. You had these two surfers on that had this type of thing you stand on for your feet for reflexology and yes. I can't remember what it was called because I thought that would probably be helpful for me you know waking up the muscles in my calves and my are you are you married
2: you have kids no I'm married but we don't have kids we have three kitties and a puppy dog yeah here's my best therapy and your wife will love it the most you know what the greatest therapy you can do is you go take your beautiful wife dancing Salsa dancing, square dancing, it'll be the greatest way for you to get balance and get the nuances of the fine muscle work back into your legs is dancing. So you go for it. And what a pleasure it is to meet you. And thanks so much for the kind words.
1: Thanks, Dr. Clapper. My pleasure.
2: Take care and carry on. And we love you very much. Okay. Thank you for the kind words, Tim. I appreciate it. All right, Warriors. Wow. I don't know what to do. Should I adjust my headset? Steve Palette, my head is getting big telling me all those nice things yeah, what a pleasure clap. it is all right let me tell you about the food because what should i wait till the i should wait till the end yeah forget about it i ain't telling you yet where well, the greatest detroit style pizza is in los angeles and i had it this week for my birthday thanks to the great linda yui who sent it to my office all right i'm coming up next i'm going to tell some stories because it relates to my guest at 8 15 who's going to come on and talk about writing children's books Where were the great teachers of children in my life in art and in sports? You'll learn about it coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN.
3: It's
7: good to be king. Right, King James? Absolutely. And good to be courtly friends on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. I love it. Man. Be treated like medical royalty with clapper vision. Feast like a monarch on Doc's delectable finds. There we go. And that far rockaway jester humor. <laughs> Search Weekend Warrior and click on Doc's regal picture. Cool. <laughs> sound the trumpets. No cortisone, alchemy, or leeches here. Everything's good. Bow, curtsy, like, or follow the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Facebook page. That makes me happy. Cheers.